Hey everybody, hope you're all doing well. Thanks for joining us on this week's Talking That Trash. This episode very nearly never happened. We did in a responsible way, but I went over to Steve's to record it today. Got home, I was excited about it because it was really fun, so I started editing it and immediately deleted it and thought I deleted it permanently. And I thought I'd been thriving, doing very, very well, but I have a lot of pent-up rage, apparently. So I'm glad this happened. Glad I was able to get it back. I hope you saw the new uh, logo for the podcast. It's like the vintage NBA Jam two-player roster thing. A friend of mine, he's an Edmonton-based comedian and artist. His name's Simon Glassman. He did that up for us. So big thank you, Simon. You can follow him on his social media handles, at Characters by Simon. And if you need any kind of design work done, Simon's really great, really talented, and uh, he does it for very reasonable prices. So I can't recommend him highly enough. Said Simon about 18 times there. That's enough Simons for one day. Uh, on this week's pod, Steve and I kind of just shoot the shit for a little bit and we discuss hbo's what's my name the two-part muhammad ali documentary because we're trying to keep a little bit of a theme we talked about the last dance so much so we figured we might as well watch another documentary about one of the greatest of all time in their respective sport uh and also very excited as we are joining the future we got some proper podcast equipment now we're not just yelling into a hall like it sounded like before couldn't really help that because we've been trying to be respectful of the social distancing thing and doing it over skype uh, but yeah, exciting times for talking that trash. Let me tell you what, everything's coming up Millhouse. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Just a reminder, if on whatever you download us on, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we would really, really appreciate that. And otherwise, yeah, just enjoy the episode. Here we go. Okay. We're recording with the new equipment. You don't have the headphones. So you don't see how, you don't hear the difference, but I do. And it's immaculate. I'm trying to imagine myself with the headphones on, and I'm imagining that it feels different, and then it feels immaculate. So I'm just going to go with what you're saying. On just that. trust it's immaculate. Yeah. I um, Have you been holding up with all of this, the quarantine stuff? Uh, this last week was a little bit of a crappy start. There's no MJ. There's yeah. no last dance on Monday, and it was like, well, what day is it? What's going, like, who cares? You yeah. Know? And then someone says, well, Lance Armstrong's 30 for 30 is coming out. And you're like, what is it with psychotic competitors <laughs> deciding that COVID-19 was the time to release documentaries? Yeah. And especially to, like, if I'm in Lance, I'm coming at this from, uh, well, Jordan just got everything done. So let me do my version, except hopefully notice, n- nobody notices, like, the actual difference of I cheated. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. So I I'm, I do think it's an interesting time where like if we're gonna get more documentaries from like psychotic sports nuts. Oh, it's like coming. The Pete Rose documentary is coming out where Pete narrates it the entire time. The onslaught's coming. We've been mm-hmm. saying that for a few weeks. I uh, have you found any of the quarantine like because you you can't be doing three x three stuff. I can't be doing comedy. And it, like for me, I miss it. But there also is a certain part where it's been kind of nice to have the break and it's so beyond your control that you can't get frustrated about it? Or are you just really anxious to get back to normal and be kind of flying all over the place again? At this, you, you go through ebbs and flows. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah. But at this stage, there's, there's you almost reside to, what can you do? Yeah. Well, I want to play. Okay, go get on a plane. Yeah. And fly somewhere and then have to sit in a room for two weeks and then do what you came to do and then come home and sit in another room for two weeks. Sounds like it's just terrible. It just, yeah, the, the, all the things that play into me wanting to do something, you 
like with everything else that revolves around COVID, you all of a sudden then get into the extracurriculars that break off from it where you say, okay, well, if I want to do this, how does this part affect it? How does that yeah. part affect it? And then all of a sudden you're going down the rabbit hole so deep that you're a bit turned off of what you were wanting to do in the first place. Yeah, I was supposed to be in Chicago next week, next weekend yeah. if things were So like, let's say everything was the same right now, but they had opened up comedy clubs. That sounds terrible. I, I, I love Chicago, and it would be great to go headline a comedy club. I was really excited for it. But to go down for three days, tell some jokes to what would at most be 25% capacity, that's all they could allow, and then have to come back for two weeks, that just sounds ridiculous. And, and I know, but like your, your travel schedule with 3X3 is insane, and I don't think people really understand that unless you tell them. Sure. Like... Like, how many countries did you go to last year? And how, how often? Because you, you had to go to Europe once, come back for, like, six days, go right back, and it was relatively close mm-hmm. to the countries you were in, right? Well, we, I think if, if we went through it and, and totaled everything up, I think it wound up being anywhere from 12 to 14 countries last year, not including um, being in China multiple times. Um, at this stage, at last year, we had just gotten back from Penang, Malaysia. Um, and then I went and did a shooting clinic in Maui, Hawaii, like a day after, which in retrospect was a lot. <laughs> um, and then we came home for a week, and then we were flying to Chengdu in China to play in the Masters. Then we went from Chengdu to chi- China to Germany. So we flew from Chengdu to Abu Dhabi to Frankfurt, and then we trained from Frankfurt to Trier, where one of our teammates lived, and we trained in Trier, Germany, for a week, and then we flew down to um, to Cyprus and played in a tournament in Limassol, right on the ocean, right, right on the Mediterranean. And this is sea. outdoor. Yeah, so it was right on, uh, right on like a wooden pier, right on the Mediterranean Sea. It was fantastic as far as the visual went. How it awful was shooting! The though. worst shooting and basketball experience I've ever had because you would shoot. <laughs> And the basketball would just fly away. Yeah. <laughs> and when we lost our last game, we were right on the ocean, and everyone was saying, how, like, well, isn't it beautiful? I wanted to grab the ball and just punt it in the ocean. <laughs> I was so pissed. We, we went all that way, lost in the quarterfinals on a brutal call. And then I heard somebody say, like, yeah, but it's beautiful, and be like, man. So why you came? I'm going to throw a brick yeah. at your head. Because it's <laughs> just, I don't care that it's beautiful at this point. Yeah. But then we, we, we did that trip, and then flew home, and then we had a little bit of a stint on this continent because we played at home, we played in Saskatoon, we played in in Mexico. And then it was back to it. We were in Bucharest, we were in Ljubljana and Slovenia. We came home for about three days because our, our travel plans wound up being weird. Um, and then we had to get right back on a plane and go back to Deverson in Hungary. And then came back, went to Montreal, came back. Uh, went to Taiwan, came back, played in Edmonton, went to China again, and then went to Japan. So our travel schedule last year was it's insane. Was really intense. That said, it was a lot of fun. We were lucky to do it. There were a couple trips where it was too much, where yeah. your body was just dying. Um, so in a, in a way it was good that we had somewhat of an extended break now, even though the means wasn't what you would hope for. Yeah. And then when we get back to playing, we're going to have to, you know, hop right back in it and, and not really be able to say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to travel as much because like, well, we know the alternative and the yeah. alternative is you just don't get to do anything. Well, how much does that suck when you go and 
because I know how it works. You got to do like the round robin thing to get to the the quarters and the semis and the finals. So if you go and you lose the first two games and you're out, so say you you flew to China, oh yeah, and you're exhausted, you're jet lagged, you lose two, you're done, and then you just come back in a few days because I think it'll be easier for people. It'll be easy for people to hear and be like, oh man, that's so cool. They're trotting the globe, going up to this place. But it's not like you guys are out sightseeing all the time. Like you, you've had a few, I think, where you've had enough time to, but. That kind of sounds like you just get there, try to adjust to the time, probably not adjust to the time, be exhausted, mm-hmm. probably not have eaten all that well. Oh no. Go play two 10-minute games <laughs> and you're done. Yeah, we've we've had a few trips where we've done leave on Thursday, arrive Friday night, try and sleep, play Saturday. Hopefully you're playing Sunday and then you're driving you're traveling home on Monday. Now we learned last year, like, let's at least give ourselves a chance of going an extra day early so we can have at least one extra day. Yeah. Leave Wednesday, get there Thursday, and then have Friday to try and get any sort of semblance of where you are, and then play on Saturday. The, the times it's happened, though, we, we went to Deberson last year, lost both our games on the Saturday. We were all dead tired. None of us knew what time zone we were in. And then we were just done. You went there for 20 minutes of basketball. But... When people get into the, like, wow, it's so cool you get to travel the globe, it is. And you don't ever want to come off as dismissive of how fortunate you are to have that. Using that Hungary trip, we flew from Edmonton to Toronto, Toronto to Budapest, got in the smallest car that I think has ever been built. <laughs> and three of us drove from Budapest to Deverson, which they said was like 60 minutes and wound up being two hours. Oh, God. And everyone was sick, hadn't really eaten, like we're so, and it was hot, like it was boiling hot. And then we asked the guy, "Can you turn on the AC?" Like, had no idea what we were talking about, which is okay. We get to Deverson, and it's probably like three in the afternoon, which means it's six in the morning here. Um, and then they say, like, "Yeah, you have a twenty-minute practice at five. So you get to lay down, take a shower, try and get something in your body for food, and then you're on the court." and you're having to practice and get ready for the next day, those are when it's, like, at its most difficult. But... Love of the game, baby. Absolutely. Grind. So, I mean... Ball's life. I think there are the challenges that come with that. Um, And you have to go over there with the mentality of, you know, this is, like, has as many obstacles as, as you could be facing, along with the jet lag. Because one thing you realize really quick with these things is, like, jet lag is just no joke. Sleep, sleeping imagine, on planes man. is impossible for me, but like even guys that say, "Well, I sleep on planes," it's still not sleep. It sounds terrible. Like I'll I'll have to drive to from Edmonton to Fort Mac or something to do two just dog shit shows. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I can do it. I'm just exhausted when I get there. That sounds it sounds cool. Like yeah, that's great. You're playing basketball, and it's it's what yeah. you just have to do. But yeah. that for a guy like me who doesn't like travel, I love traveling, but I don't like the means of travel. That sounds like sounds like hell. How's your? I was wondering about this. How is your interaction game feeling right now with people? Yeah, because I like. Are you mean like not like through like social channels? No, no, or no, like no. On like a Zoom call, one on one in person. In person? Yeah, because yeah. like I, I, I've been wondering because there's times I think we all are appreciating social interactions so much more now, and both of us are somewhat introverted people. And before this, even if I liked someone, if I if I was about to run into someone, I'd kind of be like, oh god. It'd be kind of nice to talk to them. I'm going to find a way out of this. Whereas now I'm like, no, no, this, this, this will be good. But uh, I think it can go one of two ways. You can either be like just super rusty, 
you know, like you've been on the bench too long and you've gone cold or you're just so rearing to go and thankful for the opportunity. Like you go in there and it's just, it's just balls to the wall. Cause I've had some of my best, my interaction game has been pretty good. I've had like, while I've been communicating with say neighbors, I'm like, I'm doing incredibly well. But last night was tough. Like I was walking the dog and there's some neighbors who are great. They're awesome. I saw them come. I was coming out of the alley. They were coming down the street and we met at like the intersection and all we need to do is keep walking. But we just talked there for like five minutes. And then I thought we're going to start going there. It's like, all right, we'll have a good night. And we still have like two blocks to go. So I kind of had to do the Michael Sarah from Superbad when he's with Ben. Yeah, bye. (laughs) Had to like not just sprint off. I had to make it look casual enough, but walk with enough pace that I'm doubling their speed. That's the worst. It was really awkward. The goodbye when you're walking in the same direction. Oh, God. And you said it, and you're like, shit. And you're <laughs> well, just walking towards the door, and it's like, oh, <laughs> looks like some clouds are rolling in. You're like, ah, I'm just wasting time here. This but is, a year ago, I had one of the worst experiences of that in my life. I was at a show, and I was talking with a guy for like a good 15 minutes after. It was a really nice talk, and then it was just kind of like, well, I think it's time to head home. I'm going to get out. And he's like, yeah, me too. And awkwardly said goodbye prematurely then on my way out um I, I i just found something to pretend i'm distracted by so i could get away but then it turned out we both left the doors at the same time like ha, ha, okay see you again then we wound up walking to the same parking lot Brutal. and our cars were right by each other and it was so then as we were leaving we pulled up to a red light and we saw each other again and it was just one of the more uncomfortable just ran out of ammunition yeah and yeah. It, it just got to the point where we clearly were both pretending we didn't see the other person even though we knew we were exactly by them it's the worst i've been at basketball events where all you have for somebody is the handshake and the hello yeah and then by the end of the day you're like i've shaken this guy's hand <laughs> and said hello to him four times <laughs> and every time you're asking like you're looking at it you're just like you're giving that good handshake. You're like kind of leaning into it. And you're like, you know, he, you. And you're like, yeah. I don't know this guy's last name. Oh, no idea. And you almost feel like a bad guy because you're like, let me sit here. But you're not going to. Like, no. what are you going to do? Like, what would you have for breakfast today? <laughs> you're not going to ask those kind of questions. So I totally get what you mean. The drawn out goodbye or the miscalculated goodbye. I think miscalculated is even worse than drawn out. Yeah. Like, well, let me ask you, like, you've been at Savile Center. Oh, yeah. The door is a hike. Yeah, that's a hall. You, you gotta be in shape say, to get to that door. If you say goodbye before you walk by the main gym to someone and realize that that person's leaving, that's like okay. seven yeah. minutes of walking left. Yeah. And you're stuck. Because then you have to do like, oh, I forgot something. Like That means you got to oh, walk. Man. You're not doing it. You're stuck. I have no problem doing that, though. I've become so used to pretending I have something going on that I don't. That honestly, I don't think much of that. Yeah. I'm more worried about the short distance one because I've just become so acclimated through straight up lies to people. Again, it's not a thing, a matter of I don't want to talk to this person or I dislike them. There's just some sometimes for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, God, I for, forgot my keys and I'll, I'll be holding them in my hand. I, I mean, had I've, a, I've seen you do this. I've had yeah. a bad instance once where a guy who was a good guy, he asked for my number because he was going to some party at a hotel that I really didn't want to go to. And I just didn't know what to say. And so I said, I don't have a phone. And he was like, what? Everyone has phones. I was like, yeah, I, mean, I don't have a phone. And as I said that, my phone rang in my pocket. <laughs> and I had to just pretend it wasn't mine. 
But back to the, uh, I'm, is your interaction pretty strong, or you've been having some? Sh- I some know there's been ones? a couple times I've come on like way too hard. Yeah, where I'm like, one, I, I find myself asking how people are doing like six times. Oh yeah, and how are you like, holding up? Yeah, just you, rephrasing how yeah. are you doing? You doing all right? How's yeah. everybody doing through yeah. this? And like, well, that's the same question, and I catch <laughs> myself like, there's times like, especially when we had went through like total isolation phase and it was still cold, and you like randomly see a person. I go to the store and you're like even not expecting to see him and you're walking by and everyone's like got masks on and they're super paranoid and you're winding like, uh, everybody good? <laughs> yeah. And it's like one person there. You're like, well, what the heck are you asking? Or like, I remember I said this one time to somebody before COVID. Uh, I was talking to a couple girls at West Edmonton Mall. This is a long time ago. Oh, baby. Yeah. And Friday night. Yeah. And I, I called them guys. Without even really thinking, I was like, I kept saying, you guys, you guys, you guys. And then yeah. finally, at some point, I was like, I really think I'm putting them off yeah. <laughs> by calling them men with everything as opposed to saying, just flipping it around and saying girls. Yeah. So anyway, but the interaction stuff, I feel like I've gotten better. I know when I see a couple of people, we'll talk for five minutes and then we'll break away and I'll be like, holy smokes, we really covered a lot of ground in yeah. five minutes. Oh, man. Because I also get the vibe go. from other people, too when you talk to them, that they're kind of itching for some interaction as yeah. well. Like, it's not you just, like, wasting them over no. the head with a with a big old club of, like, you're going to listen to what I'm going to say right now. Yeah, normal circumstances, I'm taking the dog for a walk, and I just decide to bombard a neighbor who's gardening with a seven-minute conversation. They're not too into it. But I think everyone's giving each other the benefit of the doubt. We know we all have a little bit of rust, and they're probably thinking the same thing of, yeah, they're saying, like, how's it going? Oh, not much. There like, is a lot more a lot. neighborly behavior, I, f- I feel Which like. is great. People I haven't seen in my neighborhood, like, I've seen in my neighborhood that we totally stonewall each other yeah. under normal circumstances. Yeah. You're getting people coming by and be like, hey, how are you? Yeah, I love it. We've lived in this house, we lived in our house for seven or eight years. The first time I spoke to the people across the street from us was three weeks ago. Is that hail? Yeah, it is. Okay, that's seasonally appropriate. I was going to say, God damn Edmonton, but that's seasonally appropriate. I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, but if okay. you hear that in the background, that is definitely hail. I feel like my interaction interactions are all right, but I'm also not interacting with a ton of people or many people that like I wasn't interacting with already before. Yeah. So I'm sure it's like a C at best. Honestly, I, I feel incredibly confident i don't want to make it like i'm more neurotic and awkward than i really am but i don't have in a lot of scenarios the most social confidence so in a lot of ways i feel pretty acclimated to this and i feel like i'm conditioned for this kind of thing whereas people are playing catch up to me so i'm a little bit worried about when this all stops and i and i go back down a few pegs <laughs> um steve and i were saying we're gonna we're gonna give some hot takes because that kind of seems that's all podcasts really are is saying anything but saying it with a lot of confidence yeah saying it with like a hundred percent belief that whatever was just spoken is gospel truth yeah that's kind of all a podcast is and i have a lot of takes i don't want to come out too hot i kind of want to just come out with a lukewarm take that some people might call hot but i think this is like in not to bad what i was originally going to say but I don't think this is a hot take either, is Here I Go Again on My Own by Whitesnake is a great song. Is that a hot take? I don't think it's a take anybody cares about. Uh, but I think that's, the, that's the problem. What do, I think you think, what do you think of when you hear 
uh, here I go again by White Snake. Old school. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think of like lame 80s mullets, something you are obligated to roll your eyes at mm-hmm. and be like, oh, that music sucks. But I listen, I'm like, that song rules. And when I play it through my workouts that I don't want to do, mm-hmm. I have St. Elmo's Fire by John Parr and Here song. I Go Again. And that used to be stuff I'd laugh at like, oh, isn't this lame? No, that song rules. So I don't, I don't consider that a hot take. I'll give my hot take. And I know you have one. We obviously talk about basketball a lot. I think that the charge... The offensive foul of the charge is either the worst rule or the most poorly officiated rule in all of professional sports. So you think it's poorly called or you just think it's a, a bad call to have a bad rule to have in your game? It depends on how you define it because it, it, it's if it's not poorly called, then it's just a terrible rule. If it's because and, and to explain myself, so if you're not really familiar with the charges, if someone has the ball in offense and they're driving to the hoop and they bowl over, they bowl over the defender, um, they put their shoulder in or whatever. You, typically what a charge is, is you see the guy or the girl driving the basketball, defender gets in front of him, has both feet planted, they fall over, and then the ref with their fist like drives it forward and it's a charge, offensive foul. What I just don't understand about it is I, I get technically what the rule is supposed to be if the person's outside especially in the nba the little circle if both feet are planted and they're there with position before the offensive player gets there and if they bowl them over with their shoulder that's a foul okay fine but that's not how it's ever called you can have the exact same contact and if the player doesn't flop because that's nine times out of ten at least i would wager it's just a flop so if you have the exact same contact, but the player doesn't just look like they got shot out of a cannon, it's not a foul. Mm-hmm. But if they fall, it is a foul. So it's either poor official or the rule should be this has to happen and player has to pretend they just got shot with an AK-47. And it, I, I really don't like that. I think it, it makes no sense. And it should just be the contact. It should not be whether or not the player falls that the whistle's blown. Yeah, I, I could get on board with that. Sometimes I like a good charge. Like I do like and don't you don't see it as much anymore because if you're using the NBA as the example, because of rules and how guys have to be close yeah. to certain players, having to try and get all the way over there if you're on like a weak side and you having to try and hustle to the other side of a guy driving to try and get in position and actually take somebody yeah. on chest to chest. Like is, Kyle Lowry, he's great yeah, at it. I he's like great that. at that, yeah. But I, yeah, I could get on board with that. I mean, I don't know. So much of, of, of what happens now with, with uh, calls has, has become theatrical. Yeah. So I don't think guys falling is should or should be the barometer for things because guys are falling on things that there's yeah. no way they should be falling for, like getting nicked or getting bumped yeah. and some guys really hitting the ground hard. So... Yeah. Yeah, I could get on board with that. The only other one I could consider being a worse call is when they fake the three, the I defender jumps, yeah. makes no contact with them, and they just throw it, and it's automatically foul. Because again, they could have the exact same contact, but if their feet were on the ground, it's nothing. But yeah. because their feet are an inch in the air, now it's a foul. That just doesn't make any sense to me. It used to be a great play when, yeah. when you would lift somebody and they were flying at you, at you towards you and you would jump yes and shoot you'd be able to get the shot off and still be able to get the call that was always a smart play yeah I, i'll to take that a little bit further i don't like when guys 
are guarding someone on the wing, and I've only seen this happen a little bit, and they have their hand out on defense and the hands on the body of the guy with the ball. They're crowding him. And yeah. the guy moves his arm through and has the ball and then brings his, his arms up with the ball and tries to act like he's shooting. Yeah. And really, in essence, is just bringing his arm into the defender's arm that's extended. Yeah. And then acting like they're being fouled. Like, I, I don't really care for that because if an arm's out, like, you're not going to bring the ball down to your feet and then rise no. it up and try and chuck it through someone's hand. I don't care for that. Yeah, so much of the NBA now, um, with all the good in it, it just feels like players have outsmarted the system and are just yeah. using technicalities where the refs will get together and be like, we need to solve this. But then immediately the players find the loophole mm-hmm. in that. And I was trying to think of other sports, which I admittedly know essentially nothing about compared to like in my hot takes i put in a good three minutes of thought into that but i couldn't think of worse calls what was do you want to do your hot take it's going to take us in a different direction here but uh it'll it'll segue though yeah we we meaning myself and my two daughters we uh watched the lord of the rings i love the lord of the rings i know you love the lord of the rings and i just kind of realized for the first time Fellowship of the Ring for me is the best one of the three. And we're talking about theater releases. We're not talking about the extended versions. The extended versions, I think, are still very good. But we watched Two Towers and we watched Return of the King. And I was sitting there and I was like, man, I feel bad saying this because I love these movies. But Two Towers and the Return of the King kind of suck. And the reason why is, is once you've seen the extended versions and all the gaps that are filled in of like, well, how old is Aragon and what the hell happened to Saruman? And um, why are there things happening where you feel like someone was just talking and explaining this and yet the cut you get is just some dude running away. And, (laughs) and I don't know. So I, I, I watched it again this way and I was like, it's just too, there's too many things just unexplained. Yeah. And it bothers me. Like the the Saruman thing just like legitimately bothers me in he Return just, of the King. Yeah. He's just gone. He, just he was a huge part of the first one, yeah. a major part of the second one. And that dude doesn't even show up in the third no, there's one. There's no resolution. And the tree story. just says, hey, he's he's gone. <laughs> yeah, the end. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, don't that's, worry about That's it. tremendous. Like yeah. that bothers me. And like even the kids, like Izzy was is sitting there and watching, she's kind of like these ones aren't as good as the first one. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I know. You're right. It's it's hard because I, the older I've gotten with music and movies especially, things that are so close to me and hold such a special place, be it just through nostalgia or whatever, I, I'm the same as you where I'm very reluctant and I sometimes just won't outright say it, but there's a lot of things I see and I'm like, this just isn't very good. And I... I I actually have thought from the beginning, I'm glad you said, because I've just honestly never really had the confidence to say it out loud. I think um, Fellowship is incredible, and that was the coolest experience I've ever had in a movie theater because I'd never seen anything like that. I remember, and it was a big thing for us because it always came out over the winter breaks. Like You'd come back from college, and we'd be in in the Twin Cities, and then we went to see the Twin... The Two Towers, sorry. Jesus. Let's go in a dark direction. Um, We went to go see the Two Towers. And we kind of came out of it just like, cool. That was good. That was a nice, 
in between. Yeah, and then I saw Return of the King, and I liked it. But the more I thought about it, it's a very common criticism. But I was like, where the hell have these eagles been? You could have saved these guys so much. And I know it's like, well, then there wouldn't be a story. And I get it. And I'm not trying to ruin the story. But that is a loophole. And write it better. Come up with a reason so you can acknowledge that. Because I've always been like that. And I know is that you've given me shit about it. Where things bother me when I watch shows. Like, it drives me insane when I watch a show and people meet at a bar or at a restaurant they have food in front of them, and one of the guys doesn't take a bite, and he's just like, "Thanks for lunch," and gets up and leaves, and he doesn't pay, he doesn't eat, and the guy he doesn't bat an eye, and I was like, "All you have to do is have him put down twenty and take a few bites, just yeah. show a little bit of the food was eaten." Yeah, I get, but like this gets into when the Dark Knight rises. We're all over the place right now, but it ties into what you're talking about. When the Dark Knight Rises came out and people were like legitimately getting on the internet and being like, well, hold on a sec. How does Bane eat? And it's like, well, are we really going to spend 45 seconds of a movie that's already long <laughs> enough and show Bane having a meal? Maybe. Like, I, I don't, I mean, clearly the guy eats, he stays bulked. Um, yeah, I was going to say the guy's physique is remarkable. Like, it He's the only like Gotham villain that clearly has some sort of ambassadorship with a protein powder <laughs> I'm company. Gonna say, just have a just have one shot of him drinking a boost through a straw or something because he's obviously <laughs> getting enough calories. Steak. Like we yeah. know that Bainey probably eats steak and potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> did we really have to get into like that's something that made me enjoy the movie less? We don't see the Joker eat. Yeah, but he doesn't have the physique like Bane. If Joker was yoked up, I know, but like I know, give Bane's, me one Bane's shot of him. Give, give me one shot of Joker on his way to blow up a building when he's like, you know what? Let me get a bench press in real quick and goes into an LA fitness or something. I have no doubt. I mean, they randomly show and it was cool when like Bane climbs down the chain to keep beating yeah. up Batman. Yeah. So it's like you know the guy is like clearly a CrossFit guy yeah. <laughs> and like. And gets a lot of <laughs> gets a lot of pull unders and all these different things. For sure, he's doing like the like as many reps as possible training. <laughs> he wears a weighted vest, yes. like so. Yeah, but the, the meal <laughs> stuff, like I don't need. We don't need to get into like the dietary it's true. dietary complexities of Gotham's evil villains. <laughs> so yeah, but back to my original point. Yeah, sorry. Two Towers and Return of the King. I watched them. I feel like the only reason I wasn't going in on like every line that Aragon has in the return of the King is like a punchline. Yeah. Oh, you're not the King. It's been remade. Yeah, it's true. And like, it's too witty. Everything is a punchline with the guy. It got too Hollywood. Like I, and I know it goes in a bit more of this direction in the book, but I was honestly like, if they had a clip of Legolas, soloing on a guitar while like surfing on a shield in the extended cut where he's soloing on one of the elephants that he's shooting (laughs) no I I, I would classify that as a hot take because I think a lot of people um, would think that's blasphemy but I on it we're brothers, so we agree on a lot of things. So we're similar people. I'm not. I'm with you on that one, honestly. It's hard, and I hate saying it because I love love those movies in a certain way, but. The fall off is 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 steep from Fellowship to Two Towers, and then it, it just kind of continues in Return of the King. Yeah, no, I I think that's easy enough to segue because what we wanted to talk about today was the um, what's it called? What's my name? What's my name? Muhammad yeah. Ali. Yeah, HBO documentary directed by Antoine Fuqua. I have no idea. 
Yeah. He's uh, training day, the equalizer. Oh, man. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. He's legit. He also directed King Arthur with Clive Owen, maybe the biggest piece, <laughs> piece of shit ever released. Um, where you don't have any idea what's happening ever, but that's besides the point. We can break that down another time. But yeah, it's uh, What's My Name, two-part documentary featuring, obviously, the well-known Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And we wanted to keep it in the, in the same light as following up on the MJ thing of, of what's so incredible to watch people that are just in a, in a different stratosphere, like the iconic athletes that transcend athletics and, and they move into um, just cultural icons. Yeah. So what was your impression? We watched the first part. Yeah. Uh, what, what stood out to you about, uh, about Muhammad Ali? I don't have a huge opinion on him in terms of I'm not an informed boxing fan, but I've seen the other documentaries. And, what, and, and it's just one of those things, like you said about MJ, he is just so clearly on a whole other level than the average human being. And from such a young age, like you see him at those Olympics in Rome, he's just a monster. And it's cool that he, he stood for something. He was so charismatic and... I mean this respectfully, but so damn irritating. Like I was just trying to put myself in their shoes as best as a schmuck like me possibly could of being the guy that knows I'm about to go fight this dude and he is talking so much shit. And at the end of the day, I'm like, I can't shut him up because you, you yeah. see people that confident and your initial reaction for a lot of, I think like especially sports competitive guys is like, man, I would love to get my hands on that dude. Knowing full well, more often than not, there's nothing I could do anyways. But with Muhammad Ali, he would literally just kill me if he looked at me. Um, I thought it was really cool. It was uh, no narrator. That's an interesting choice. Did you did you like that, or did you kind of have an opinion at all? I, I like that. Yeah, I thought it was it, it flowed really well for someone not connecting the dots for everyone who was watching. Um, you know, it's it's the interesting thing that I think you have with with the parallel between the Last Dance and even anything that's done on Ali, using what's my name as the as the, as the focus today. There's so much charisma coming from these athletes yeah. that they even in clips from the past, it's carrying the entire thing. Yeah, like if a narrator was narrating, what's my name? They couldn't get a word in edgewise. It's true. Like, Ali's just going and going and going and, and he's walking you through everything. Yeah. Even videos from, from the sixties when he's, well, who's he fighting? This is who he's fighting. Yeah. Well, what's your thoughts on the fight? And Ali's just going and going and going and sucking everybody in to just how, I don't know, captivating the guy is. Very magnetic. He's extremely magnetic. So not having a narrator is no problem because they can, they can outline, well, like here's the timeline this is when he turned pro, or this is when he won the Olympic gold. This is when he turned pro. This is who he fought. And then you start to get into his politics yeah. and what was happening on that front. I do feel like they rushed through it, but I have to imagine that's just more due to constraints than, than them having the, the gloss over of, yeah. well, it's not important that Malcolm X was shot or anything like that. Right. I think it was just trying to keep it on a straight line as opposed to taking too many turns off to yeah. the side. Um, but this is what we wanted to do where, I mean, in, in the light of the Jordan thing, you want to always have a chance to peek in on what makes the people who are the best at what they do tick. Yeah. 
and what are the similarities between these guys? Because different time, different sport, different upbringing, um, yeah. and yet quite a few similarities. Especially the shit talk in different yeah, ways. Obviously, very Jordan's much so. not much up there talking like about a, I'm so pretty. No, very, like very like professional wrestler almost and showman. I really versus, like the gorgeous George reference. I think that's cool. I yeah. mean, the the what you talked about before with Ali, where he's he's just yapping and yapping and yapping, and no one can make him stop. No. Is who's doing that at that time? Besides yeah. maybe a professional wrestler that is doing it for theater. There's yeah. no consequence of a real person getting in a ring with me and punching me in the face. Yeah. There was, I love the clip of when they showed gorgeous George. Cause what we're referring to, if you haven't seen it is Muhammad Ali saw gorgeous George, who was like a way, way, way back in the day wrestler and was just so arrogant, so cocky. People just loved to hate him, but hated him for it. And he kind of adopted a bit of that, but I thought it was hilarious seeing the wrestling show and all these guys in their suits to come watch guys in speedos, throw each other around just such a different, time and place but it, it is cool watching someone like him you hear everything about how he's the greatest and the float like a butterfly sting like a bee that sort of thing but then to really see footage of it that covers such a long span like i said he's just magnetic every clip whether he's right in the center of her he's off center a little bit he's kind of in the background he's the only thing you can see yep. he's the only thing you can look at there's just kind of this energy around him that people don't have and it seems like he just had that combination of using an unbelievable athlete unbelievable personality he's probably not well he's definitely not revered the same if he doesn't have all the sayings and all the shit talking he's he's I'm, i don't i'm not a boxing guy i don't again i know nothing about boxing but i can't imagine he's spoken about in the same light if he's not the same whole package he is well this kind of moves into a a, a bigger part of the conversation is why are these guys seen in the way that they are there have been winners from different eras i know jordan you know six and oh in the finals all the other things that go into why he's considered the greatest basketball player of all time by many but same with ali like there have been other captivating personalities in boxing besides him like mike tyson at the heat at right. the height of his popularity yep. was very captivating he wasn't captivating in the same way but people were fascinated by him until yeah but, He's talking about eating children while Muhammad yeah. Ali is like essentially freestyling. Yeah, while Muhammad Ali is charming everyone yeah. to death with, <laughs> with, with poems and like great interviews and his charismatic smile, and Tyson's threatening to kill children. <laughs> different thing. Competitor. But yeah, just true grit. Wants it. I think what's so interesting about even just the beginning of this, and I think we're going to keep this as a theme for a little while. Mm -hmm is everybody likes to have the peek in on what excellence looks like. Someone who is great, stays great, and then finds some sort of way to resonate with the public or the world that goes beyond the sport they play. Yeah, Jordan did that. Ali did that. You can get into maybe even Tiger. Um, yeah. You can talk about when, when guys start to go into the transcending sports, changing their sport, Babe Ruth. Yeah. Jackie Robinson. Dirk. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Skidish Vili. So, I mean, <laughs> it, you, you start to go into that kind of category, which I think is what brings us, it can bring us to what we were, even though we kind of glossed over it a little bit, we're going to watch the second part of Ali um, through the week. But this is where it gets interesting. 
we know why Muhammad Ali has documentaries. We know why Jordan did The Last Dance. Whether or not you are 100% in agreement with it or saw the, the version that other people saw and interpreted a different way is... Do you think that outside of the absolute greats who are just going to have to have their lives and sports documented. It's a must. People are yeah. waiting and waiting and waiting for this to happen. Where is the line, though? Because we know what's coming with the MJ documentary and what's going to be the, the fallout from this is documentaries from everyone and their, and their dog. Yeah. Where does it get to be where, okay, this is something that people are excited for, this is a story that needs to be told, to outside of it just being like there was a really cool happening and this is going to be one gigantic infomercial? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we've said it on one of the last episodes, but I really do think it's just going to be an onslaught, specifically talking about sports documentaries, because documentaries on every subject seem to be really flying out there right now. And it, it just, I don't know, I have kind of two trains of thought on it, I think. I think it's pretty relevant to just the state of content right now. And I feel we saw it with Twitter and things like that, where criticism is as good as it is, everyone has a voice now. And some people just don't need a voice. And we don't need to hear what they have to say. And then some of these people through Twitter, it's not like it's just, yeah, Randy, some guy three doors down. These guys are making a living yeah. off this shit. Yeah. Um, and it just makes you wonder, like, is that is that do we really need to hear... Any of that, but the point being, it's kind of like everybody's a brand now. Everybody needs to get their shit out there. And I think there's something to do with this inherent, I was saying it's sort of the kind of like human condition of wanting what we don't have. And we see someone else who might be in what we consider our same field has this. And we're like, why the hell don't I have that? Mm -hmm. So what used to be like, everybody needs to get a Twitter account. Then everybody needs to get the blue check marker, get this account or that account. Now it's kind of becoming, well, that's not enough. Not enough to have this big phone. I need a documentary about me and it, and it just does make me wonder because I think there's so many good stories and there's so many good outlets for it be like a book or maybe a chapter in a book or one of those E60 things we're giving it a 10 minute feature but when we're starting to go down this road of everything is in the works now of being a multi-part documentary yeah. it's just really taking um, it's taking what is special about that completely away from it when I heard about the MJ documentary I was just like Holy shit. Yeah, fine. That's incredible. And, and here's another one. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson is coming out with a Beatles documentary. I know it's not sports, oh, cool. but that's the Beatles. That's like, yeah. that is something I, I really want to see because it's so iconic and there's only one Beatles. If it was like Peter Jackson's coming out with a documentary of the Sheepdogs, be like, well, I just, no one needs to see that. So I think I'm going to go for a walk when that airs. But <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. It, it kind of it kind of bums me out. It's I, I don't want to have to see this many things and to take away what's novel about a good story. I, I've been rambling. You go, because I, I think I have an outline of what I think legitimately qualifies okay. a good documentary or what's needed. What, what, what's what required. Yeah. Yeah, and, and tell, tell me what you think about because what I think... We'll just go on it and then we'll just we'll yeah. go through it. I think there are some key elements. Obviously, I'm going to be missing some of them. I think something to do with being a first is very important. There was no other Muhammad Ali. No. There's never been a Michael Jordan in terms of a guy who won two three-peats, left the game, came back, 
one another one is second three peat. That's never been done. Sure. So that in of itself, there's something very novel to it. There's an undeniable success. It's not a subjective, yeah, but well, no, no. He factually, statistically did all of the won all of these fights or won this many championships. There's a controversy around it and around him as a person, just Muhammad Ali and Jordan too, with the gambling stuff and the reason mm -hmm. he left. What yep. was that a conspiracy? There's substance behind it. It's not all just talk. Sure. There's a little bit of talk, obviously, with Ali. There's a hell of a lot of talk. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's backed up. So I think those are four really important things for that a, a, a documentary like that. Or it's just a really great story. Like you look at the Larry Bird, Magic Johnson kind of thing. You, you still can add in those elements of them being first. They really brought back the popularity of the NBA. Um, a lot of substance, but you take, yeah, flashy black guy from the Midwest hick white dude also from the midwest meet each other in college hate each other one goes to la flashy guy one guy goes to blue collar boston there's that racial divide there's so much there. and then they wind up becoming really great friends yeah that's a great story but now we're talking about this clippers documentary and the we believe golden state team from like 08 or whatever yeah do that does the, do do those fit the bill or and what do you think like would you would you would you agree with those or what? Would I agree with those becoming documentaries? No, with like that kind of idea of would that's I, what should constitute. Yeah. yeah. Well, what really shows in The Last Dance and what has shown in other documentaries that have been great. It, I mean, when we look at probably what has been like the modern day version of sports documentaries where it took it to a new height of popularity have been the 30 for 30 series. Totally. So the stories that they tell in 30 for 30, like if we use basketball, um, you know, the Once Reg Brothers, Once Brothers was yeah. fantastic. Again, extraordinary story that went just beyond the guys that they were focusing on. It went into the Civil War. It went into how European players had not really been in the NBA and achieved any sort of high level of success, how that yeah. was a trailblaze and opened a door for guys like Dirk and people to come after. So there's all these layers to the story. There's all these layers to the story that make it so interesting for people who weren't alive or paying attention during the time that it has to be told. And generationally, it'll, it'll hold up because it really does capture not just what was happening with the athletes in the sport, but what was happening in the world at the time. Yeah, You could say the same thing for the other basketball ones they did, like uh, Requiem for the Big East, where they talk about all the, big, yeah, the, the, all the Big East schools and the rivalries and the coaches and the personalities and how that went away because the Big East isn't what it was or what it used to be. So with the MJ stuff, and people can take a dump about how, oh, it's you know, not 100% true. Well, no shit. Like, <laughs> guess what? If, you, if you're sitting around believing every word that someone drops in a documentary, then like, it might be a time to take a walk around the block and, and wake up a little bit. So I think when it comes to the last dance, kind of setting, I think, what will be the tone now for this was so exciting, this was so encapsulating and, and, and fun, examining probably the best basketball player of all time and the amazing story that him and the team he played on had. It's going to get people so fired up that they think, well, my story is amazing too. Yeah. And it maybe isn't like as good as Jordan's, but it's still worthy to be told. Okay, the problem is, is when you start to open that Pandora's box, is it's going to be a lot of personal opinion mm 
on where these things factor in in the history of the game, in the history of sports. And then you're going to get into the other stuff. Well, everyone knew flat out Jordan was the executive producer on this. He had final say on things. Yeah. Well, now you're going to have guys that aren't Jordan, that weren't the best, yeah. that are going to want final say on things. <laughs> so, I mean, look, we, we have a buddy that, that loves the We Believe Warriors, and I remember that clearly, but I don't remember it at the time of thinking like, yeah, this team that did upset the eighth seed or did upset the one yeah. seed, they were the eight. Yeah. That's a pretty cool moment. Yeah. But then loses in the next round is going to have a feature documentary one day. Because if we go down that hole, yeah. why don't we have a documentary about the team that defeated the We Believe no, team? Exactly. Why don't we do the Such Jazz? Such a slippery slope. And why don't we then do like, well, hey, when the Sonics lost to the Bulls, and then the very next year were the one seed in the, in the West, yeah. and they played Denver, and they were up 2-0 in a best of five, and yeah. Denver came back and beat them in Seattle to win game five and advance to the next round. Why don't we have a documentary about Denver? Yeah. Like, it's just, it opens up such a, a tricky door where you're going to start telling stories that are fun stories, but are they stories that have to be documented? And, and I think what makes it especially tricky is the multi-part thing that I think is going to become a fad. Like, I know the Clippers one on Quibi called Blackball that was about the Donald Cerno thing. I think that's four or five parts, whereas... I think stuff like this could really work. And, and what you were saying, say like 30 for 30, what's, what's cool about it is it's a one-off thing. And it's kind of more sports stories that maybe get pushed off to the side a little more. Sure. So they're not like yeah. just so monumental to everyone. But you're like, wow, that's a really cool story I didn't know about. And it's only one hour, maybe an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. It's not the Reggie Miller against the Knicks in six parts. So if they were to have kind of a series that's like, these are some of the more interesting playoff series or teams or seasons that have played out in recent memory you've maybe forgot about. We're going to have a, a one-hour episode on the We Believe Warriors. We're going to have an episode on whichever team you want to pick because you could literally make a documentary about any team from any given season. Like, obviously, I'd be saying, well, you have to, if you're going to do those Warriors, you have to do the, the Warriors with Kerr and Steph and Tom's the quote-unquote dynasty warriors and if you do that then you're sure as shit you better as a raptors then you better do a raptors documentary we don't need that but if you just made say yeah here's the title of the show each one gets an allotted hour i'd watch that that sounds cool but to just say like as a one-off this production of a we believe team who the, the 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 crowd came out and dallas just won 67 games or whatever it is and we beat them and then immediately lost in the second round what the hell? Like, I don't need to see that at all. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough sell. I think it, it's not going to stop it from getting made. Oh, God, no. And I'm sure, like, if you have the right edits and you pump in the right music and you do all the right interviews, you're going to go like, man, how the hell was Golden State only the eighth seed? Well, yeah. I'll tell you how they were in the eighth seed. <laughs> they were just okay. Yeah. And then they caught fire at the right time. Exactly. That's maybe a cool, like, E60 Exactly. Where it's like, Give this it a, is 10 yeah, minutes. Exactly. This is maybe 15. And I know like Steven Jackson could fill that whole 15 <laughs> just talking about hypotheticals. Talking about how he weighed 295. Sure. And then also too, like they were the best team that entire season, yet the reality proved that they weren't. Yet you were an eighth seed. It was yeah. just above 500. Well, so you, sorry, you go ahead. I feel like it's 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 a slippery slope. And I, f I know this is going to lead to... You know, well, we need this documentary, and we need that documentary, and when is this documentary going to come out? The fun thing about documentaries is 
is they aren't one being released every week about every bloody athlete exactly. that we see on the screen in an era where we already know just about everything about what's going on in these athletes' lives. Yeah. So if we can keep that where there is like the the rarity and the almost special occasion that comes from having documentaries yeah. about people and events that maybe we didn't know as much about as we thought, that makes it special. But when you maybe get into the realm of, and we've, we've bashed it a couple times before, like well, we're going to have a D-Wade six-part or ten-part <sighs> documentary, it's like, yeah, I think I'm going to skip some of that. Or I'm going to have a Clippers like kind of phony movement documentary where it's like, well, we didn't like Donald Sterling. Well, nobody else did. Yeah, I'm not a and fan he of was that a, premise. I'm not either. Like this whole thing of like, we were going to take a stand, but we didn't have all the info, so we wanted to plan. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's so brave of you guys yeah. to put your shooting shirts at half court <laughs> yeah, know. and still take the check for the game. Yeah. And I, all I the hope shit they I'm going to tell my kids about that yeah. one day. Get out of here. Tear in your eye. Who cares? Like, it really was one of those things where it's yeah. like, yeah, it was a moment. Yeah. But it probably wasn't a moment that was taken to the extent that the players had the possibility to take it to. Yeah. And they just chose not to. Why? You probably want to get paid. Exactly. You know the ramifications that because your agent's saying, hey, man, if you don't play, this is what could happen to yeah. you. Okay, so I'm going to play. I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to play. All right. But let's not act like you guys were, like, you know, marching. No, exactly. And, th- and that's like, a tough it, thing because I don't think either uh, of us want to diminish how shitty Yeah, Donald, Donald Sterling, Sterling was. incredibly was. shitty. Yeah, piece of sh- absolute trash. But I remember even back then, and this is kind of before like wokeness was a term that a bunch of hipster white people like to refer to themselves as. But I, I remember kind of being like, what are they doing? Because this all came on the Clippers. There was one thing like we might wear black socks when we play. Sure. And it's it's a little bit like, yeah, that, that, that's that'll show that'll him. show him. And and then what frustrated me was just after the fact, they're like. If he didn't, if they didn't fire him next game, I wasn't gonna play. Yeah. It's like well, that's really easy to say now we'll that he see. has been fired yeah, we'll and see. you just played for him. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree. I think that's that's one of those ones where it's just like, cool, you made it, it's fine. But I really do think I probably articulated this really poorly. That it's just kind of the state of where we're at as a society and culture of you said it. Everything's documented. Everybody's documenting themselves all the time. It's kind of like everybody's doing their day by day documentary of just walking. I, I I went for a run. So <laughs> these people better know I, I'm going for a run. So I'm just going to confidently, like a lunatic, be walking outside, talking to nobody, but pretending I'm having a real conversation. You guys, <laughs> you're not going to believe what I just saw in the River Valley. Something crazy just happened. And it's like we're just making this the, 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 the footage that we can put together for our documentary one day. So the people at the actual resources, like the guys from the We Believe, where it was like, well... That's not good enough. I can do that anytime, but I can make a documentary. So why wouldn't I? And I, I, I don't know what the next step's going to be because it's not going to end here. It's going to go beyond that when that becomes even more of a normal thing. And literally, like the guy shooting at McNally's court right now, who's never played organized basketball, will have a documentary in five years. I don't know what the next step's going to be. Watch it. Oh, watch it. I'm watching that. Produce it if I yeah. can. Give them 20 bucks. If there's any chance to contribute financially, <laughs> start a GoFundMe page. Love for what it. you're doing. Yeah. I want your story to be told. No, I, I'm, 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 agreeing, I'm agreeing with you on that one. The documentary thing just feels like it's getting too played out, and I want, I want to feel some novelty to it. I want to feel excited, and that was what was so awesome about The Last Dance. Like I said, I don't feel that often, but you hear this come out, and you're just like, yes, thank 
God. Yeah. This is good. I've been waiting so, even without knowing, it's not like I get up every day. I'm just like, fuck, wish there was a documentary on the Bulls. But it was just kind of one of those things that goes without saying when, when you hear it's happening, it's like, finally. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't feel that way. If they come out with, yeah, uh, an eight part documentary about the five part retirement of Dwayne Wade, I'm just throwing my TV through the window. I will, I would want to place bets, um, friendly bets. On how many times he cries in each episode <laughs> while he's filming himself, while he's filming himself <laughs> crying about a retirement that he's doing for the second time, I would li- I take bets on that. I'd say the over under. I'll set the line at two yeah. an episode, two tearful, yeah, tearful episodes. My my thoughts on Dwayne Wade are essentially, if I met him and he was like, "Hey man, you want to go for a drink?" I'd be like, "Dwayne." Yes. yes, whatever I can do. And you, you, I don't have to say a word. Just let me listen to you talk. But if that, if that ever happens, I'm just like, what a douchebag. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll cry while you're there. I'll have a, I'll Who knows? And maybe he'll get videos. A couple a couple tears. Or he'll ask you to video it for him. <laughs> so, man, something I realized we forgot to say. Okay. As the whole podcast, the title of it is Talking That Trash, and Ali is such a shit talker. Yeah. We mean to say some of our experiences with shit on. Because we talked about your prime as a shit talker. And you were good. Yeah. I got good as I, I, I aged like a fine wine with shit, with shit talking. Because I was definitely just the angry white kid who would immediately resort to, shut the F up or I'll knock you out. Even though I'd never thrown a punch. Yeah. Um, but as I got older, and it's sad because in my, in my men's league games, I'm just an assassin. Um, but I've, I've, I've heard some of the worst trash talk ever told do you have any like especially good shit talking stories that you've seen other people and you're kind of like man yeah this guy's in a like the muhammad ali league of shit talk or this is just on a echelon i'm not on well i i don't think i did it justice a couple weeks back when we talked about it because i i think there's there's a couple things that make good shit talking one it winds up being i don't think maybe it's it's coming from the uh it's coming from the the point of it but good shit talking is also funny. Like totally. it, it, it's creative and it's, it's not just mean. No, and it's it's spontaneous. Yeah. Like when you get guys that get a line that you look at and like the first thing you want to say is like, you've been waiting to say that, haven't you? Yes. That's really lame. Yeah. And unless it's a really good line, can't it be doesn't that good. really but that's the thing. If it's, it's premeditated, it's not really gonna jive. Yeah. So it has to be really creative, and that usually can sometimes wind up being really funny. Or Great shit talking can just come from like I'm so damn good that I can say whatever I yeah. want, and the and you have to just be like, well, yeah. You know? <laughs> so I think no, you're not. Yeah, Guy's well, thirty on you. Yeah, exactly. This was not. I have a couple. Um, in college, when I was at San Diego State, uh, we were playing BYU at home, and BYU had a guy wound up being a huge bust for the Raptors. That's not the point of the story. Rafael. There we go. Mr. Arujo. So, I mean, like, <laughs> Rafael Arujo in college was, like, a mountain. Like, he the was guy huge. was huge. I saw him huge. in Yeah. And he was playing also for BYU, which really was strange because he was, like, tatted and, like, a little bit rough around the edges. Right. And he's playing at the Mormon school. He's Brazilian, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, we're playing him. And, like, you know, some people, had, there was a lot of NBA hype around him at this point of, like, if he has a good year, blah, blah, blah. So one of our guys was like, I'm going to lock him up. First play of the game. Um, They throw it to Arujo. He catches it, little shoulder fake, drop steps to the middle off the left block or off the right block. And just like 
hammers it on our big guy. And our guy goes like flying to the ground. <laughs> yes. And Arujo like just smashes on him, steps over him. The whole arena, this is at home, the whole arena is silent. And Arujo like walks past our bench flexing. Oh man. And everyone was like pin drop quiet. Oh God. Yeah. Everyone was like, Whoa. <laughs> and the second his back turned, like dudes were flying off the bench, like, man, like <laughs> trying to talk at his back. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, shit, man. Like, no, there's not I a whole heck of a lot you can say to that. Cause, like, when people were just like, man, he's weak. And I'll be like, remember when he, like, took our player and threw him through the net? Cause he just felt like it. Yeah. That, that, a dude who does that's weak. That's so, when you don't even have to say anything to talk shit. That's what I mean. He yeah. walked by flexing, hard flexing, like, how many guys can really flex, can walk by you flexing, you'd be like, respect. Him, based on my own personal experience, yeah. I've seen guys who shouldn't flex. That's what I mean. I've, I've been flexed on, and it's just like... That's not doing what you think it's You doing. hit a layup, and yeah. you don't have big arms. What are you talking and about? And it's just not packing the punch you were hoping. No. Like, you're, you're thinking, I'm going to bring the flex out, yeah. and it just isn't gaining the respect you hope, <sighs> and then it backpedals into, like... Fuck you, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so as he's leaving, come around here with that shit. Better not. Like yeah. yeah. So Crazy. the same season, we played in an NIT game in Texas Tech, and we were playing. This is Bobby Knight's Texas Tech, and they had uh, Kasib Powell and Andre Emmett, and Andre Emmett was really good. He actually was. Uh, he was murdered a few months ago, which was really, really? sad. Really? Yeah, really sad. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but he was really good in college. Wasn't like a real good shooter, but like just worked off Bobby Knight's like figure eights, got a lot of mid-range stuff. Okay. And he was legit. So they're killing us, of course. And we're at, there's someone's at the free throw line for Texas Tech. And he walks to the one of the blocks to rebound. And he looks at me and one of the guys on my team. And I'll never do it justice. Because it was him in the moment, <laughs> and you're like, let me just get this game over with, man. We're getting murdered. We got to go home after this, and you know, probably going to get ripped in the locker room after, too. And he walks up, and he was just like, hey. And you just make eye contact. when You know you probably shouldn't. He was just like, guess what I'm about to do? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, I'm about to get this bound. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just looking at him. He's like... Because I'm for real. <laughs> and I was like, cool. <laughs> what, what am I supposed to say? So when he did, he said, like, you know. No, uh, I am for you know, real. That's my rebound. So <laughs> it's, uh, it was just one of those funny moments where, like, my eyes met with him, and he was talking to two of us. He was kind of going back and forth and doing the whole, like, I'm about to get this bound because I'm for real. <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was good trash talk just because it was I don't think I don't think he got the rebound. I'm pretty sure the guy made the free throw because He believed he was gonna get it though. But yeah, like just to walk into the lane and just say something like that, I thought that was good. That's good. I thought that was good. There's been other things that guys have said, but those are two things that one talking, one yeah. not that really just stand out to me over time. They're just and they're funny. I just never played at a level where guys could pull that off. If anyone in the ACAC when I was playing there said, I'm about to get this bound because I'm for real. I'm going to let the air out of your tires. Yeah, like I'm going to slap parking lot. I'll go to jail for vandalizing your car for that because you deserve <laughs> it. And just no one could pull that off. I never, yeah, I, I never was lucky enough to play against anyone good enough or something like that. But I was definitely in the league of guys saying shit. So what's the bad? 
Because I got one or two bad, so I'll let you go. The one that sticks out so much is high school. He's a guy I wound up playing with in college. And it's like, I I shit on the league and stuff. There were actually some pretty good players. There were better players in the ACAC than than I'm giving it credit for. But no one was of that shit talking caliber. There was this guy named Mike Page who was before my, and he was just like one of those random dudes that cut the, people don't know in the ACAC, there's just these random guys that come down from the States who everyone is like, oh man, this guy should be playing Div 1. Then it's like, then why is he here? But he actually gives everyone business. And Mike Page apparently was averaging like 30 a game and so caught, just a hood white guy with like the Masari chin strap, but would give everyone 30. I never saw him. But anyways, guy I wound up playing with, good guy, just a plug though. When we were in high school playing against each other, somebody kind of wrapped him up and threw him down. And it was what you said. He'd been hold. This was in his holster for like a month, or he 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 heard it in like a NBA Street video game, and he was like, "I'm gonna use that the next chance I fall down." Yep. And so he got up, and what did he say? He said, "Yeah." He said, "So everyone could hear." He's like, "You think you're Peter Pan? So why are you trying to hook?" And we were all like, "What the fuck?" Wow. <laughs> and like everyone was just like, "What did you just say?" And it wasn't even like we were offended, but like, that is just so lame. Like, get that out of here, man. We're trying to play a basketball. We were just upset. He never really let it down. I don't know if I ever told him to his face, but everyone on our team in the locker room, I'd be like, hey, do you know like that? that's what he said in high school? And they're like, yeah, that sounds about right. That guy's a nerd. Well, it is an incredible accomplishment to be anyone's like that's the worst line of trash talk I've ever heard in my life. I don't remember any details from any high school basketball games, but I remember that from when I was 15 years old, like it happened yesterday. Yeah, I, I understand it's that. Hall of Fame. I understand that. That I mean, it's really bad. It's, it's embarrassing. Yeah, that's really bad. You got to do better than that if you're going to come out swinging. Like, just do a little better. Well, I think that's also probably something that, like, if they did a basketball episode on Nickelodeon, yeah, exactly. yeah, you heard that and you were like, "That's not that bad." And then the parent laugh track comes in laughing, yeah, because it was that, that was funny. That was clever. no, it wasn't. No shit. Yeah, and then you tried it out once, and someone was like, "Damn, that's Ugh. creative," and you're like, "I'm yeah. gonna hang on to that." Ugh, that, it doesn't work for you. And just on a good note, we can't leave with that kind of shit. No, that's pretty. That's or do you have some other bad ones you said? Because um, I'd love to hear bad. Actually, bad's funny. I think we should revisit it because, like, I have one bad one. I went to the gym, but there's other ones that I know that I just can't remember or be able to do justice to right now. There was one guy. Uh, it was in a pickup game. Um, me and my friend went down to the UVA main gym. We were playing pickup. This is when we were in high school, and the guy like just refused to play defense, but he would just yell at everyone, "Fear." So he, would, he wouldn't he wouldn't guard you, but he would just run at you when you were about to shoot a jumper and just yell, fear. And it was like the shot would go in or you'd hit a shot and you'd be like, this guy like not all there or something like that? Like, why is he yelling fear at everyone? Like, just play D. Because he's just running at you with his arms down, yelling and then like kind of lunging his head at you. And I think I said something stupid to him at the end because I hit a few shots on him and yeah. couldn't resist. And then he just looked at me and I didn't know who this guy was. Like, in a city where, for the most part, you knew all the good players, you knew what was going on. Like, I didn't never seen this guy. And he just looked at me pissed, and he just, <laughs> just randomly said, uh, gunshots. And just walked off the court, and I was like, cool. That's ominous. Yeah. And like, I mean, okay, you walk off and be like, is that guy actually going to shoot, <laughs> shoot me? me. But, yeah. um, but it was one of those things where you're in the heat of competition, you're like willing to talk trash with anybody, and then you're like, yeah, man, cool. 
If anything, it was it was so strange. It's kind of good storytelling. He's saying fear, fear, and you're like, what is he talking about? Then you find out, like, yeah, but to clip you in the parking yeah. lot, it's like, God damn, this guy planted a seed. I don't think so, pal. Like, it, it he can't. I don't know it's just a strange approach to take to the day, but it always stood out, um, and it just wasn't good trash talk. Yeah, that that's not as bad as the hook. If a guy's yelling fear at me, I'm a little more like, all right, there's some, there, there's some level of depth I don't understand. Whereas, yeah, it, it's like the the it's like someone just Googled what's a really lame line I can use next time I fall down and immediately you're trying to be Peter Pan's so why why are you gonna hook or whatever? And he's like, Yeah, that's it. I got it. Yeah. Success. I feel like we should probably get out of here. We're about on the hour mark. Watch the watch the second part for the next one, come back, and I'm sure we have more. I'll try and remember some good shit talking. I, I do wanna say, and we'll get on this next time. I did have a few go to lines when I reached my peak of shit talking that were like not scripted, but reliable. You know what I mean? Sure. Maybe we can get into that next time. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have to revisit it because we're, we're going to watch part two of, of Ali. Yeah. And I, he's for sure he's going to be talking just as much there. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think, you know, tr- talking trash is one of the most interesting parts of, of competition. Is you, It's not personal in a lot of instances. but Good it, trash it, talk is Good it? trash talk isn't. It's, it's a part of the of the psyching out and, and also part of the enjoyment of the game yeah. when you're playing. That's the really nice version of it. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's one of the cooler things that stood out from the Jordan doc. It's immediately standing out in, in the, uh, what's my name yeah. in the, what's my name series. So it's a huge part of competition and it is always funny to, to go through this and compare whatever experiences you've had personally with what these guys have on these gigantic stages in front of millions yeah. of people. It's crazy. I don't I guarantee no one yelled fear at Michael Jordan. Well if someone yelled fear at Michael Jordan. They were barking I'm, up the wrong tree. Yeah, they were dead in the dumpster two hours later. But yeah. Or that was all the motivation he needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what Jerry Krause said to MJ on a daily basis, just call him up and say fear. Yeah, you just send down a fax. <laughs> <laughs> fear. All right, so we'll wrap it up there. Um, it's pretty easy to get uh, get carried away with uh, talking about people like Jordan and Ali and uh, stupid trash talk stories you had when you were running at the U of A main gym. But we'll try and uh, we'll try and cut it off there. Um, we'll come back next week. We're gonna watch part two of the What's My Name HBO series featuring Muhammad Ali. Um, and I'm sure we're still going to talk about some of the fallout of the Jordan stuff. And we also have uh, keeping it in the elite excellence area. The Lance Armstrong 30 for 30 just came out this past week, part one. So we're going to probably get into that once we get done with Muhammad Ali. And uh, looking at a guy who was incredible at what he did, but the asterisk next to his name that uh, Ali and Jordan didn't have were he cheated. And he's a douchebag. So <laughs> there's uh, there's those things coming up too. And I'm sure we'll try and figure out some other things to talk about based on the comments and criticisms of the people who listen. So thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll check back in with everybody next week. Take care.